0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Proverbs, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when parents bring their child to be baptized, There are some words that they speak, some promises that they make. And if they have godparents, they usually make that commitment together as friends, as family of that child. I mean, it usually goes something like this. By presenting this child for holy baptism, you commit yourselves to providing for their growth in the knowledge and fear of the Lord Therefore, you will ensure that they are instructed in the way of the Lord and join us in teaching them the Holy Scriptures, the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and the Creed. Will you lift them up in prayer, nurture and help them grow in the Christian faith, encourage them toward faithful reception of the Lord's Supper, and help them to live out their lives of faith until Jesus comes again? Will you act in this way and for their sake and for the sake of Jesus? And they promise, we will with the help of God. Now, usually when this moment here at the baptismal font comes, I've already met with the parents. We've had those conversations about the promises that they're going to make. We've talked about what baptism is, and that this isn't just a a one-time event, but for many families, especially as they bring infants to these waters, Baptism is the beginning chapter of this ongoing story of God at work in the lives of their children. And as we gather together regularly for worship, it's about God's continual work in there, in your life. Baptism is God's work. He is the one who cleanses you of your sin Clothes you with Christ in his righteousness, marks you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified, pours out his Holy Spirit upon you, claims you as his dearly loved child, rescues you from death and the devil, and gives you eternal life. And then there are other chapters. As you listen to the word of God, the Holy Spirit works through the word to create faith. Faith that rests in the saving works of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. For the forgiveness of your sins, for your salvation. When the words of absolution are spoken and your sins are forgiven, that is God's work. Because it is as if Jesus is speaking these words directly to you himself. When you come to the Lord's Supper and receive Jesus' body and blood in the bread and the wine, you receive it for the forgiveness of your sins, for the strengthening of your faith, for your salvation. I mean, sure, you are the one coming there, holding out your hand to receive it. But once again, it's God's work. I mean, it's no different than you holding out your plate to receive a meal that your family has cooked for you. You didn't do anything to make it. You didn't help at all. But you get to freely enjoy all the benefits of that meal for your nourishment. So too with what God does for you. These are his means of grace that he has given to his church. The way that he gives you faith, forgiveness, salvation, and the way he continues to fill the pages of your life with himself. And the way that that growth and instruction and understanding happens for you, for a lot of you, is by being here. I mean, as many of you were once that tiny baby brought to these waters of baptism. The way that this growth and instruction and understanding happens for your children is by bringing them here, bringing them to Jesus. Today in the Old Testament reading, you heard from the book of Proverbs. And amidst the wisdom of Solomon found there, you have this one verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, when you think about the idea of training, you might think about some type of sport. The way that you get better at it is to put in the time, the effort, practicing it. And if you keep that up, you'll continue to get better until maybe you're really good at it. Maybe one day you'll even become a professional at that sport. But Proverbs isn't talking about sport. Chapter 1 lays out what Proverbs is really about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Paul says a similar thing in Ephesians. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The training, instruction, wisdom. So we could say that a, a verse from that verse in Proverbs a little bit differently. We could say, teach your children the faith. And when they are older, they will not fall away from it. Why? Because you have made it the most important thing in their life. Because it is the most important thing in your life. Parents, you are the first teacher your children will ever have. You have the greatest role in their spiritual life because they learn from you first and foremost. Now, don't get me wrong. The church does teach as well, but the church should not be the only one teaching children the faith. It really should start in the home with the parents. It is guaranteed to happen here, even if it's not being taught at home, which may even be more reason to be here. Yet many of you who have been parents raising children or are parents raising children, I mean, you may be sitting there thinking, I didn't. I don't do a very good job of teaching the faith. And it happens. I mean, think about the amount of time a child dedicates to a sport. How many hours of practice each and every week on top of games. And then compare that to the amount of time spent in church. I mean, looking purely at those two things is not even close. And whether we have kids or not, whether we are parents or grandparents, whether we're single, We can all look at our lives. And I'm certain we're gonna find things that we all spend more time on and with than we do at church, that we do in prayer, that we than we do in devotions or in the Word of God or in Bible study. We spend more time in other things than training ourselves in the wisdom of the Lord. And in that way, we all fall short. We all sin by dedicating our lives to things other than God. Instead of growing our faith, we're growing in the knowledge of that skill or craft or trade or whatever it is that we think is important. And it's not just sports. It could be the time that we dedicate to Netflix, music, movies, TV shows, Whatever it might be. Books we read instead of the Bible. All the things that do not train us up in the wisdom of the Lord. And even when we are here, some of us are looking at our watch when that hour hits. Because that's all you can give. And if we go over that, you check out. We sin by putting... Other priorities as more important and significant than God. And for that, we all deserve death. And that's what our work gets us that work that is a a higher priority than God, the work that takes the place of God, the work that becomes our God. Even if we're not bowing down and worshiping to the football gods. And that is why we need God's work. The wages, what we earn for our work, is death. It's punishment. It's hell. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we turn to the work of Jesus to overcome our work of sin, of evil, of death, That work is the work of Jesus on the cross, where he sacrifices his life for us. Where he takes our sin, our punishment, our death, our hell, and he places it on himself. He dies in order to give us life. And he rises from the dead because he is the perfect, sinless son of God, who conquers sin, death, and the devil, and gives us the forgiveness for all of our sins. And opens up the door to heaven for all who believe. And we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus and the sacrifice he makes on the cross for us. And it's a sacrifice that brings eternal life. And every day as you gather together in worship, you are also sacrificing. You're sacrificing the temptations of the world. The earthly pleasures that tell you that There are more important things to do with your time and with your life than be here. And what you're doing is training yourself, your children, in the ways of the Lord, in the faith. And it'll last all their life. It'll last for all of your life. And so let me now turn to the parents of young children who may be sacrificing more than anyone. Parents, I know it's hard to be here. People with young children, I know it's hard to be here. You're tired. Your kids are noisy. They don't listen. Some of them can't be contained. And as much as I say to you parents, I know it's hard to be here, the fact is, I don't. You know why? Because I don't have to deal with it. Well, I should say, I have to deal with my own children as much as all of you do. And you may all have different opinions about the noise of children. There are some of you that grew up in a church where you needed to be silent in the church, where you couldn't make a noise, and if you did, you'd you'd get a consequence a punishment for it not so much anymore and sometimes it's more than just noise so in case you missed it on christmas day my youngest jonah decided that he would take his clothes off during the children's chat (laughs) the next sunday if you were here watching also at the children's chat He decided that he did not want to leave, and so he was carried away, upside down, by his legs, screaming. And if you look closely, you might see that there is a smile on my face, (laughs) probably because there is nothing I can do about it, because I'm here. I'm not there with you guys. And as hard as it may be for Andrea, my wife, getting my kids ready to come here, coming here, having all three kids on her own, not having me be able to do anything to help her out, because I'm up here, especially when they're like that. There is nowhere else that I would rather have them be than here. And there's nowhere else that God would rather have them be than here. In his house. In the gospel reading, you had people bringing children, infants, to Jesus to have him touch them, to bless them, to pray for them. The disciples rebuked them. We're trying to to keep them away from Jesus. Maybe trying to protect Jesus from them. I mean, maybe because the disciples didn't want to distract Jesus from the tasks that were at him. Right? Teaching the people, healing the people, forgiving the people. It's also possible that they thought children weren't worthy to be with Jesus. Yet Jesus sets the disciples straight. Children are the ones that he wants to come to him. They are worthy because the kingdom of God belongs to such as them. Why? Because they receive. Especially infants. You think about them. They cannot do anything themselves. They cannot do anything for themselves. And so they trust others to do it for them. And from others, all they do is receive. The kingdom of God belongs to those who receive it as Jesus gives it. Parents with children, I know it's hard. I know that for those of you who have kids, you might be saying that you're not receiving. Not getting much out of the service. I know that your attention to things outside of your children is sometimes not very great here. The example that you are setting for your kids by being here is not lost. It's not lost on me, it's not lost on your children. Because they are learning from you. And it's not lost on God. That's why we hear the words of Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You may not leave here thinking that you've gotten much out of the service. Maybe you haven't actually heard a word of the sermon since your children have been born. That you're leading by example. There is no other place for you and your children than right here in this worship service. Just because they can't verbalize their faith doesn't mean it isn't working in them. Just because they can't verbalize their faith doesn't mean they aren't getting anything out of this worship service. And for those of you who have no children, or your children have all grown up, or who have children who do not make noise, that sit quietly, just like you used to when you were a kid, understand that children can be a distraction. I know this. I mean, I have the best view of all of you. I know when you turn your heads to see who is screaming behind you. So as much as you can be distracted by it, know that I can get distracted by it too, because I see that you're distracted. But just because all of you have these distractions going on, and understand my kids might be some of the biggest, so you're welcome they're not here today. Just because we have these distractions going on, doesn't mean they don't belong, that they're not worthy to be with Jesus. But it also doesn't mean that you can't get something out of this worship service because you're distracted by them. Jesus still wants you to come, wants the little children to come to Him. And so, if there's anyone whose example we should follow, it's Jesus. So I do too. Let the little children come with all their noise, with all their undressing, with all their screaming. Because Jesus is here and he wants to be with his people and give them his gifts, his blessings, his forgiveness, his life, his salvation. And if you want that for yourself, there's no better place for you to be. And if you want that for all people, just like God, then there's no better place for even the littlest ones to be than here. And so, rather than offering your glares to the families who are making noise, maybe offer a smile and a thanks for being here Because you made it. Offer to help if they're sitting in the pew when things get out of control. Be a part of the body of Christ that supports the other parts of the body. Be the strong, helping hand to the weak, tired, exhausted part of the body that's losing their patience with those smaller parts. Be the eyes that see the commitment of families. Be the mouth that speaks a word of encouragement to them because God wants them here. Finally, parents, all of you, when you're looking at what you get out of today, there will always be something that God gives you. Maybe it's your moment when you have a a time of confession, absolution, and you hear that your sins are forgiven. Maybe your moment today already happened with a song that we sang or a scripture verse you heard. Maybe your moment today is when you come to the Lord's Supper and receive Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe it's during the prayers. Maybe it's hearing the words of the benediction, God's blessing being given to you. Maybe it's in the fellowship of other people, going through exactly what you're going through. I don't know. God does. And in that, take comfort and peace. God is at work in this place, and he will work something Something in you. Even if you may not realize it right in this moment. Faith is not our work. It's God's work. So what do we do? We bring the little ones to Jesus. We don't hinder them. We bring ourselves. And even that is God's work. As he works in you. And in your faith to come and to receive from him like a little child. And receive, we do. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.